This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. We are the Blaze Radio Network. Good choice. This is the Jaily News. A long and exciting day of history ahead. Excelsior. Welcome back, my partners. We are the Blaze Radio Network. It's the State of the Union edition of the Jaily News. Our office number, and the office is open late tonight. Honey, I'm going to be very late at the office tonight. I've, I've asked my new young secretary, Miss Lovetree, to stay with me in case anything pops up. So I'll call later. Uh, Our office number is 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. And so it shall remain. Here is the schedule. We do our show together right now, followed by uh, Pat, Stu, and Jeffy, of course. And then... We will be running, we, the Blaze Radio Network, will be running live coverage, gavel to gavel, of Obama's State of the Union address, which kicks off at 9 Eastern, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Instantaneously upon its conclusion, then the Blaze After Dark will join you. And Skip, Doc, and I will remain with you and your calls, questions, comments, uh, complaints, and other bon mot as you feel appropriate accelerants of the presentation. We will stay with you until midnight Eastern time, which is warming us up for when we will do two, count them, two shows following the short pants debate on Thursday evening, and then the big boy pants debate. And I'm telling you, those big boy pants must be tough to buy because fewer and fewer have them. I don't know if you heard, but as of 7 o'clock Eastern last night, 
Big boy pants were taken away from RuPaul. (laughs) And from uh, Carly Fiorina, who was already wearing pants. They just weren't short. So RuPaul and Carly Fiorina have been issued each one pair of little boy pants, short pants with built-in suspenders, and they'll be joining the little boy debate early on in the evening. We will follow that one. Then we'll have the big boy debate, including people, one of whom is going to be president of the United States, if there's a God. And then we will join you immediately following that. But let's not get too ahead of our, uh, much ahead of ourselves. Tonight, today, <clears throat> now, is our preparation for what we know is Obama's, well, short of his unconstitutional invocation of a police state, formally this time, and refusing to leave the White House and staying on forever as president, or or Michelle entering the race, which would essentially be two more of Obama terms. And I'm not kidding. We'll talk more about that possibility in today's show. Uh, tonight, at least know that you are almost certainly hearing Obama's last State of the Union address ever. But, but, is there more, Jay, you ask? Is there more? There is more. If we stick together, there is more. Tonight, we could. We could be watching, listening to, not merely Obama's last State of the Union address, but the last State of the Union address delivered by a progressive of either party for the rest of our lives. We can do this. That is something we, together, can do. Let's! one 3393 one 3393 So, what happens tonight? Sitting in my flanker microphone position is Guru Jay. Holy buttocks! And uh, he'll be advising me today and throughout the evening. Guru Jay advises me my first question, <coughs> pardon me, ought to go directly to Obama. Uh, vis-a-vis this evening, and that question is this. Okay, Mr. Big Stuff, what is the state of our union? Eh? Come on, Mr. Big Pants, what is the state of the union? And you know what? That really is the question, isn't it? Because we we let these things roll off our tongue you know state of the union state of the union state of the onion you know this is kind of a deal this was something provided for in the constitution of the united states that once a year 
a president of the United States would proffer, would submit to the Congress of the United States and the people, the citizenry of the United States, a report which answers the question, what is the state of our union? What is the status of the country right now? What's the st- what state is our country in right now? How are things going? And an answer, any answer, any answer to that question obviously reveals a very great deal about the person answering it. Because no matter what the substance of the answers are, if any president were to come up and say, okay, the praying mantis population is hovering very low. We're concerned about that. On the upside, the number of trout observed <coughs> in the lakes of Wisconsin and the Catskills are, are on the upside, on the increase. Also, migratory waterfowl seem to be doing pretty well. And we're putting the buffalo nickel back in circulation. That, my fellow Americans, is the state of our union. Thank you. Thank you very much. See, what what a president of the United States defines as an answer is every bit as important as the answer itself. (coughs) Pardon me. Like tonight, I think we'll hear about a lot of fictional, dead, young black men murdered by cops innocently. But I wonder whether we'll hear anything about dead cops. I know that Obama intends to use, as always he has, the uh, SOTU as a theatrical prop. And tonight, there's going to be an empty seat. They usually have some self-serving guest uh, that stands up and reminds us of something uh, that is supposed to be emblematic of the president's achievement. So they have a guest in the first lady's box. Well, tonight, that guest seat is empty, and it is, we are told it is to represent all the people who have died by guns in this country. And, for instance, like I say, what the president chooses to say or show says a lot about, what, about him as well as about the state of our union. If there's an empty seat there tonight, and there ought to be two, one ought to be for our dead soldiers who have died in a war that Obama, lying, claimed combat was over in more than a year ago. And the second empty chair ought to be for people who died by gun. It ought to be for the police officers. Hashtag 
Blue Lives Matter. It ought to be that empty seat for police officers who have died at the hands of people wielding, quote unquote, illegal guns. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break, and at the worst possible time. Call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. The Jay Severin Show. It was closer than I wanted it to be, but roll tide. Okay, that's all I'm gonna. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, State of the Union tonight. Okay, Mister Big Pants, what do you claim is the State of the Union? Certainly not that hallucination you've been shoveling us, Jameson, and make it a double. No, I'm sorry, uh, Jameson from Texas. Welcome. Yes, sir. With my... You there, Jay? What I'm, I'm here, yes, yes. Hey, Jay. Hey, I don't want to be the little black cloud, but uh, <laughs> I, know we can all, I know we can all think back and remember Mr. Carter and remember the nation as it was going through that turn and what we were going through then. We all know Obama's an egotistical narcissist, He's probably going to give another State of the Union next year, right before the new president comes in, just to stick his finger in the eye one more time. I wouldn't put it past this, man. I'm going to hang up oh, and listen to you. Oh, Rock on, good you, man. Uh, Jameson, thank you very much. Bless you. Listen, I, let me refresh the record here, Your Honor. I, uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, Guru Jay say that the process of former presidents disappearing, which is a fine and good tradition in American politics and in American life, and gentlemen do so, well-bred gentlemen do so. I said well-bred gentlemen who used to be the only kind of men who could aspire to the presidency. And then Bill Clinton, I said, well-bred, you know, men of judgment and taste. And then Bill Clinton became the first president of the United States 
elected president ever to be impeached. He also became the first president to refuse to get off the stage. Bill Clinton has, ipso facto, stayed on the public stage to a greater or lesser degree, which has ebbed and flowed, but has never stopped. Never, ever stopped. Never, ever stopped. Because he can't stand to be out of the spotlight. Whatever else he's doing, for whatever other reasons, he can't stand it. He would wither and die if he was not a public figure all the time. And then I said about a year and a half ago, Guru J say, if you think Bill Clinton didn't go away, you watch and see what Barack Obama does. Barack Obama is going to stay in Washington. I don't care if he buys a house in uh, Montana or where he says he's going to be, he buys a house in Paris. I don't care where he says he and his family are going to live. Barack Obama, and I dare say Michelle Obama, if she's not president, is going to stay in Washington, D.C., and he's going to set up a virtual shadow government. He is going to respond in advance, uh, extemporaneously, contemporaneously, and following every speech and everything done in Washington to make sure that his name and what he views as his legacy are held in place. He is going to regard his first and foremost job in life as being the Rottweiler protecting what he, in absurd and hallucinatory fashion, regards as his great legacy. To this is he going to dedicate the rest of his life. Believe me when Guru Jay say, Obama is never leaving Washington, D.C. He is never going away. And I don't mean he's going to stay there and, 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 and teach or stay there and write his memoirs uh, or anything else. I mean he's going to be an extremely noisy, extremely visible public irritant all of the time on everything as long as he draws breath. And that's what a big part of tonight is all about. Obama's going to set up the first virtual shadow presidency when he leaves, the purpose of which is to safeguard his policies and and to make obscene amounts of money. Now, Bill Clinton, of course, had those priorities exactly reversed. Bill Clinton set up not a shadow presidency, he set up a family crime foundation. Bill Clinton immediately became one of the Corleones the minute he finished his first ever elected president in the United States of America ever to be impeached presidency. Bill Clinton wanted money, attention, respect, and ass. Not necessarily in that order. That's that's what 
makes life meaningful for Bill Clinton. Attention, ass, money, that's pretty much it. That's the end of the list. And so everything he did with his life when he left the presidency was to serve those ambitions. Obamas are uh, different, and uh, even if it's roughly the same list as Clinton's, but scrambled in a different priority order, an interesting dimension of this might be we could find out for the first time what kind of ass, because we have been a little bit curious uh, about that gross ambiguity about him for years. Not And let me be the first to say, not that that matters, not that there's anything wrong with that, whatever it is, unless, of course, the well, I'll, let, I'll leave that unsaid. I'm just getting warmed up today. I would like to be able to finish the show employed. Uh, but that's what uh, Obama's going to do. This is going to be a many things all related. Tonight is going to be a Democrat presidential commercial. More precisely, it's going to be a Democrat attack ad against anything and everything conservative against anything and everything Republican. It's going to be setting up the Democrats, trying to lacerate the Republicans, and lamely defending his extraordinarily lame presidency. For openers. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show. And these are my partners, including the great Stacy. And I, it occurred to me that Stacy is in the car and she said uh, her uh, both, uh, uh, her, well, her young prodigy is with her in the car, wants to know something. And I answered via Twitter. It just occurs to me maybe you're not reading Twitter. Um, Maybe you're listening through the app. So I don't know, but let me answer it this way. I've answered you in Twitter. Let me uh, uh, answer you this way, too. Uh, Stacy wanted to know, uh, next generation here in car wants to know if Kasich poll numbers are better than Fiorina's. Why did they cut her over him? Because Carly is out of the big boy debate Thursday night. Carly is out. RuPaul is out. Kasich all of a sudden is in. And my my two answers uh, to Stacy, Stace are uh, dear Stace and Prodigy. Yes, Kasich's, Kasich's numbers are surging big time in New Hampshire, where the Republicans' third so-called establishment, you know, rhino wing, and therefore Kasich, ought to do well. So Kasich has come out of the basement because of New Hampshire and because there are three wings to the Republican Party and he is a not implausible competitor in one of those three wings, which I will get to in just a few moments here. And my postscript to that comment is, keep in mind, Heb, 
Heb! Exclamation point. Heb! New Hampshire is really Bush's last stand in reality. I mean, he may have the money to go on. To where? South Carolina? Oh, they love him there. The South Carolina Republican Party? And then the Nevada Republican Party? And then in a few weeks, the so-called SEC... Roll Tide! Uh, You notice which team won the national championship last night. The NFL's 33rd franchise, the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. That's whom. Anyway, if Bush loses... If he is eclipsed, not just if he loses in New Hampshire, if he doesn't win, and I don't mean or place or show, I mean if Heb Bush doesn't win in New Hampshire, that's bad. And if he is, no matter what place he finishes in, if Bush is eclipsed by Kasich and or by Christie, and or by Rubio, and I tell you, all of those are very, very plausible scenarios. If Bush not only fails to win New Hampshire, but finishes behind any of the following, Kasich, Christie, Rubio, uh, by some miracle, Carly or anybody else, what is his rationale? Why do you buy a plane ticket for South Carolina and then Nevada? Why? This is just great. This is just great. I'll mention this again later, but the most important poll question is the one no one pays any attention to, but we in the business do, and that is, who would you absolutely not vote for? It's a polite way of asking the people in the poll Who do you despise? Who do you think is the biggest butthead on the planet Earth? Who would you never vote for? It really means who would you rather, you would rather see Hillary Clinton president or Bernie Sanders than see blank president. Number one, far and away, number one in this category. He's winning this category like he's winning, quote-unquote, all the others. Donald Trump, far and away, half a mile in front of everybody for who would you never vote for. I think that will be comforting to some. You know who's second in the I would never vote for? Bush! Bush! I mean, it's almost, I almost have to, almost have to stop gloating about that because, you know, God forbid, imagine if I'm wrong and I have to say I'm sorry, but, but mostly the reason is I'm beginning to honestly feel sorry for the poor bastard. All right. State of the Union tonight, nine o'clock Eastern. Doc and Skip and I join you live immediately at the conclusion of that until midnight Eastern. What else will tonight be? What does Guru Jay say will happen tonight? Democrat presidential campaign commercial? Democrat attack ad? Lame defense of his extraordinarily lame presidency? Yes, certainly all of those things. 
it will by definition be Obama's last State of the Union. And if there's a God, the last State of the Union in our lifetimes ever delivered by a Democrat or a progressive of either or any party. We can do this. We can do this. Will it be a traditional valedictory? No, I don't think so. No, this will be a total Obama infomercial of lies uh, trying to prop up his accomplishment. That's singular. This is a uh, called a legacy presentation. This is like a pitch at an, I said p- p- with a P, pitch at an ad agency. It's as if he's going to be up there. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he asks the speaker and the president pro tem to just do you could you uh, I'm sorry, the vice president and 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 the speaker to just could you guys like get out of here please? I need this. I got to put billboards up here. I have to put up easels and whiteboards. And he's making a pitch like at an advertising agency. Because tonight this is Obama's pitch for his legacy. Tonight Obama's going to pitch you on how he wants to be remembered. The reason it has to be a dynamite pitch is because none of it is connected with anything that's actually ever occurred. It's an utter, total fantasy. It's all lies. But yet, he's going to stand up there tonight and draw out the dimensions. He's going to cast his own bronze statue tonight. He's going to pose... He's going to pose for his bust as he sees himself, one hand in his front pocket like Napoleon, the other behind his back as he looks wistfully into the future, confident and stupid. Uh, He will slam anything conservative and attribute all the ills of the world and most importantly, listen for this, He's going to attribute all his failures, though he will never acknowledge them as such. But anything that whispers of failure or an incomplete ambition of Obama's will be by strong insinuation or outright statement attributed to conservatives wanting to ruin him because they're white racists. I know I didn't need to tell you that. I mean, I know you know that, but... Uh, that will certainly come into it somewhere. Race. Oh, oh, race. If you're looking for race, you you don't have to go to Daytona. You, you, you just go to your radio tonight, the Blaze Radio Network, and listen to the State of the Union Address. It's going to be a major race, believe me. And two, will Obama use this general tactic this general theme, to drive a wedge between Republicans. He's going to offer, I promise you, maybe stronger than a promise, Guru Jay say. Obama is going to try to wedge, which is different than a wedgie. I mean, because I understand that Obama not only didn't mind wedgies, which he was given chronically as a young man, but he asked for them. But that's for another day. 
He's going to try and wedge the Republican Party. He's going to offer a sop of some kind to reasonable Republicans. The, uh, the phrase will be uh, reasonable Republicans who want to place people over politics, uh, willing to work across the aisle, reasonable Republicans who want to get things done, not to hate. So it won't be enough merely to pump the tires of the Democrats or to generically attack Republicans, conservatives, and, you know, the Constitution of the United States of America. He will try to drive a wedge between the Republicans by pumping the tires of rhino Republicans, saying, I want to salute. You know, I do. We're partisan. We're divided. But I do want to say, in all honesty, you on the Republican side, there are those of you who decided to stand with me for progress, who decided that placing people over politics was more important than partisan politics. I want to thank you and hope that for the future of our country, our earth, our universe, that people can be more reasonable, i.e. abandon conservatism and become Democrats in sheep's clothing like you. Thank you. This is Jay Hebron on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393, 1-888-900-3393. We have live coverage, <clears throat> gavel to gavel, of the State of the Union, Obama's last. If we hang together, maybe the last of any progressive of any party in our lifetimes. It will be <clears throat> a rich, deep, hilarious uh greatly woven fantasy and immediately following people waking up uh, from their obama induced slumber skip and doc and i will join you blaze after dark at the instant conclusion of the fairy tale until midnight eastern time tonight that's our schedule <clears throat> So what else? What else will State of the Union be so we can get to politics here? Let's let's wrap this up. Um, <clears throat> well, the media will fawn. The media will be damp with admiration and nostalgia for Obama. If, if, I want you to be with us. <clears throat> but if, if you tuned even for a moment to CNN, I promise you there will be people there weeping. They have an extra pair of panties just to wipe their eyes with. And that will just be the men reporters at CNN. So the media will fawn. Um, The question is, will the Republicans in the audience 
decide that they have so much invested in the institution. See, this is what's wrong with rhinos. There's always some excuse why they should go along with the enemy. Oh, did I say enemy? Because I might have said adversary. No, I said enemy. So let me say this again. The enemy, Obama. There's always some reason why the rhinos feel they need to go along with the enemy, Obama. And the question is, are they going to play ass puppets all night and jump up and down on a string and give Obama standing ovulations and all of this applause? Or are they going to sit in their seats and keep their hands in their laps? It takes guts to do that because the networks will love that because it feeds into Obama's characterization of the Republicans. They're mean-spirited. They're haters. They're racists. And so if they don't jump up at the conclusion of each line and applaud him wildly, as the Democrats will do. He'll receive 195 standing ovulations tonight from the Democrat side. Will the rhinos do the same? Well, by their numbers, they might. But the Freedom Caucus, you know, ain't puny in its numbers. And if it stays in its seat and keeps its hands in its pockets, then maybe we'll have something approaching... uh, a fine American fair tradition of insulting the enemy, which is what I hope they do. And I'll tell you, you want to know a big, important extension of this? The new Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, this is the first time he's ever going to appear in that chair above and behind the president at a State of the Union address. The Republicans in the audience will do what the speaker does. If the speaker smiles, nods, and cranes over to kiss Obama's ass and is an ass puppet up and down all night applauding Obama, then the Republicans have no cover. They're going to have to do the same thing. If Ryan has guts, he won't do that. And he will extend cover to the Republicans in the audience so they can be... Uh, opponents like they're supposed to be. Nikki Haley afterwards, total audition. This is for Jay Severin, Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. We are the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jaily News. I am Jay Severin. That makes you the best and brightest. Excelsior. Welcome back, partners. I'm Jay Severin. Our office number, meaning yours and mine. And we are staying late at the office tonight. one 3393 1-888-900-3393. We will have live coverage right here on the Blaze Radio Network for you of Gavel to Gavel, State of the Union presentation by 
Barack Hussein Obama, his last, and if we hang together, maybe, just maybe, even likely, the last State of the Union you'll ever hear delivered by a progressive of either party. (laughs) We can do this. We can do this. And that's what makes it exciting. I tried at the end of the last hour to beat the computer, but you know what? The computer always wins. It's smarter. And what I wanted to say was my last comment, which I'll try to slide in here, is that the Republican, quote-unquote Republican, quote-unquote response to Obama will be delivered by South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. And it is, I don't want to say that she wanted to do it, but they had to scrape her off the floor. She was begging so long to do it that, you know, like those grotesque stories of fat people who grow onto the toilet? Uh, Nikki Haley started to grow into the floor, into the carpet. They had to scrape, they had to get surgeons to come in and scrape her hands and knees and toes away. She was there for so long begging to do the uh, response tonight because she uh, is very ambitious. Not that there's anything wrong with that, especially because she's also cute. Um, She's very ambitious and she wishes to be something more than governor of South Carolina. And the reason she wants this response tonight, and again, it's the only reason anyone ever wants to do it. Uh, So I'm serious when I say there's nothing wrong with this. The response will be delivered by Nikki Haley, and it is, like all the other ones, a total, as she sees it, her introduction to the rest of America, her busting out beyond the borders of South Carolina, uh, her introduction on the big stage for the first time to the American people and a total naked. Well, that would be, that would boost viewership if that were true, but I meant that only rhetorically, Uh, a total naked audition for the vice presidency this year. Or if we lose something, I don't wish to discuss, uh, but If we lose, then she's thinking she's the answer in 2020. She's going to unseat a one-term Hillary Clinton at the end of uh, her first term. That's Nikki Haley. That's tonight. And that's us. Because we hope you ignore Nikki Haley to listen to us, Doc and Skip and I. We come on live at the instantaneous conclusion of the State of the Union and actually give you a reason to learn and smile and we hope laugh out loud starting the minute Obama shuts up, which can't happen soon enough, and uh, we will be there and we will stay with you until midnight Eastern time or until such time as we lose our broadcast license, which, I don't know, Oh, look, I'm just saying, you want to be there either way. We t- let's get back to politics of the moment. 
I've talked a lot, and I started this yesterday, never finished it. Isn't it funny that I should do that? Uh, This is the bird's eye view of the race right now. Forgive me if it's a little bit reiterative, but just like in your mind, always, always in the back, if you're playing chess, always in the back of your mind is, where's my queen? You know, where's the king? You know, always in the back of your mind, or as Kurt Vonnegut wrote, just like a good pilot is always looking for places to land, a good lawyer is always looking for circumstances in which money changes hands. <laughs> okay. Um, let me say this. There are three wings of the Republican Party, and it is having a profound and immediate effect, a clear and present effect on the race, no matter who you like, no matter whom you are for, this is having a clear and present impact on the race. The three wings of the Republican Party sounds scary because like it sounds really wordy, doesn't it? Pleasant surprise. It ain't going to be. It's going to be short. The three wings of the Republican Party, and there are only three wings. That's a lot, actually, right? But there, there oughtn't be three. There probably ought to just be the Republican Party. But there are three wings. At least it's a manageable number, and soon it will be down to one, which is up to you and me. The three wings are these. There is the outsider wing. The outsider wing is occupied, populated by Ted Cruz and Donald Trump and an asterisk. The number two, no, the next of the three wings of the Republican Party is the establishmentarian wing, the rhino wing, the establishment wing. And we don't know who leads that. That's what the debate Thursday night and Iowa in 16 days, 17 days is all about. Because that's a bigger group. The outsider wing is Cruz and Trump. The insider wing, the establishment wing, is Heb Bush, Chris Christie, Carly Fiorina, uh, John Kasich, all of a sudden, and an asterisk. The third wing of the Republican Party is the asterisk is Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio has the enviable or unenviable status, depending on how you wish to regard it, as being the sole population of the third wing of the Republican Party because Rubio stands astride both the conservative wing, the outsider, the outsider slash true conservative wing, and the establishmentarian wing. And he he enjoys, if that's the correct term, he enjoys that, that unique status for this reason. Gun to the head, if the outsider wing were deprived 
of both of its candidates, if for some reason people could not vote for Trump or Cruz or believed, if they come to believe, that a vote for Trump is a wasted vote or one they cannot bring themselves to cast, and thus Trump is eliminated, if they come to believe that Cruz is a wasted vote. Maybe it's because of this uh, citizenship thing. They want him, they love him, they'd like to vote for him, but they say, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't vote for him. Okay? Marco Rubio is making the case right now, that's why it needs to be me. And gun to the head? A lot of voters, we just don't know if enough, but a lot of voters in the outsider wing would find Rubio marginally acceptable, tolerable, even though he is wet on immigration. What is the other, where's the other foot for Rubio? Straight ahead. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners. All right, right back to where I ended. Three wings of the Republican Party. Which one is your guy competing in? Which one are you voting for? Not to presume. We may have Boynie Sanders listeners here. I don't know. Tori toid and toid. Yes, bums, yes. Three wings of the Republican Party. One wing is Cruz and Trump. With the asterisk of Rubio trying to pretend to be one of them as a default conservative outsider. Then you've got the second wing, which are the establishmentarians, the rhinos, Chris Christie, John Kasich, uh, Heb Bush, Carly Fiorina, and again, Rubio trying to wedge his way in there and pretend simultaneously that he is also an establishmentarian, if that's what he needs to be. And then the third wing of the Republican Party is Rubio himself, because he's the only one who is not so clearly confined to one of the other two wings of the party that he can claim his own wing. There's the Rubio wing. The problem with the Rubio wing is it ain't winning anything yet. And when you have one when you have one foot on the platform and another foot on the train, I'm given to understand the most likely result of that is a torn groin. That is to say, Rubio is going to be forced to tell us to admit to which camp he's in. Is he the pro-illegal alien amnesty rhino that partnered with John McCain and Lindsey Graham and the Gang of Eight? Or is he all of a sudden a defined God and all of a sudden now he's a conservative? The problem for a lot of us, it may not end up a problem, but the problem right now is that Rubio continues to hang in there exactly because 
people are unsure yet as to whether their guy can win. And the, and the, see, we have concentrated, and this audience concentrates mostly on the first half of the William F. Buckley formula. I will, I shall always vote for the most conservative candidate. And of course, the next part of that sentence is who can win? It's not a second part of the sentence. It's not a diminished part of the sentence. It's not a poor cousin part of the sentence. It's the second part of an arithmetic, uh, uh, you know, calculus. Uh, So if you have two times blank equals what? Well, no one knows that. Einstein can't tell you what two times blank is until you tell him what blank is. Well... Rubio knows that a lot of people are thinking, I want the most conservative. I sure don't want a guy who's, you know, who's going to give amnesty to illegal aliens. Which adds up to, I really don't like Rubio. I don't really trust him. But the guy who, in every poll taken, when they started asking which Republican can beat Hillary, when Hillary was flogging the snot out of every Republican candidate, the only one she didn't beat was Rubio. <clears throat> the one who started beating her first, Rubio. The one who has never failed to beat her, Rubio. The one who beats her by the most, Rubio. Yesterday's or Saturday night's Fox News poll. Trump, Cruz, Rubio all beat Hillary. Trump beats her by three, Cruz beats her by five, Rubio beats her by almost ten. Now, a lot of people are looking at that and saying, you know, if if it comes down to this and I really want Cruz, but I really don't believe he can beat Hillary, would I rather have Rubio? Or, or Hillary. And and which Rubio do I get? This is my problem. If, if it's the new Rubio, I want Rubio over Hillary. Hell, if it's the old Rubio, I want Rubio over Hillary. But I don't want Rubio. I want Cruz. So this thing is always... It is vexatious, I understand. But that... 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 that scale in front of us must always be balanced by placing on both of its arms, you know, on the one hand, the one arm, you know, who, who, who believes what we believe, who shares our values. And on the other hand, who can prevent a Clinton candidacy. So there are three wings of the Republican Party, as I've described them. That helps describe why Trump, right now, one of the most dynamic areas of the campaign is that Trump is trying to destroy Cruz. Trump has laid off Cruz for a long time now, right? Trump now is is trying, anyway, to tear Ted Cruz's head off his body with this citizenship thing and everything else. And the citizenship thing so far... Is working. 
it, it's 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 hurting Cruz. We, we I'm not saying it's hurt him such that it's going to be uh, a career-ending injury or that he's out for the season. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that it's like having a high ankle sprain or approaching that. You know, you don't want it. And so far, it appears to be working, at least more than it's not working. That does not help my guy, Ted Cruz. Doesn't help him a bit. Hurts him. Uh, And it's pissing me off. uh, Pardon my French. But why is Trump doing it? Because Trump believes he needs to have a monopoly on the outsider wing of the Republican Party. Trump Trump knows that voters that will vote him into office, if, you know, under his scenario, he knows that he'll he's going to win with Democrat votes and conservative votes. He's going to win the way Reagan won if he ever could win. He knows he doesn't need to be a big C doctrinaire conservative with a long history of being a conservative. Although he does know that that's what we prefer, we conservatives. But we also, he knows we also want someone who can win, which is reflective of yesterday's, you know, argument. Okay, so Trump sees this and he says to himself, this is Trump thinking now, right? All right, pretend with me. This is Trump thinking, I can't get more conservative, although I can get more conservatives. I can't get more conservatives. There's nothing I can do. To become more conservative, I can't become more conservative than Ted Cruz between now and November. It's not going to happen. I can't do it. It can't be done. So what can I do? I can assassinate Ted Cruz politically, leaving me as the only small C conservative who can win, who can demonstrate a win. That's what Trump is thinking. I'm not endorsing it, but that's what he's thinking. Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. It's the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We have breaking news, and it uh, came first, to be fair, from one of our best and brightest, and that would be uh, John. Let me see. I've gotten so many. Jeez, I've got, just got so many messages here in the last minute. I can't find you, John, but it is John, and John reported before anyone else I saw Uh, what I now see on uh, Fox News that sends me breaking news, two United States naval vessels and their crews captured and held by Iran, according to the Pentagon. And I want to know if this abomination is true when slash will Obama save them and defend the United States of America. 
we demand to know. Now, we're going to listen to, we're going to return to Guru Jay's campaign, Crystal Balls, uh, which is a deep look into the campaign commercials because there are two elements, two dimensions of any political campaign. It's what the candidates tell us about themselves, and then it's the second dimension is what we think of them, what the media says about them. It's our impressions of them, which may or may not be exactly like, kind of like, or not at all like what they spend hundreds of millions of dollars to tell us in their commercials. But what they tell us in their commercials is never unimportant. As a former writer, producer, director of thousands of these, I tell you, show me someone's commercial, and I know how they're running, against what they're running, how they're doing, everything about I mean, if it's a decent commercial, it's going to tell me a lot of things. I can tell you right now, I saw a commercial today. Uh, we may hear it now, we may not. I, I don't know in advance. I'm hearing these pretty much, unless I've seen them on television, for the first time with you. But there's a new commercial, uh, and it's uh, a super PAC commercial, two kinds of commercials. Commercials candidates themselves run and pay for, and then the commercials that super PACs, which are prohibited by federal law from having any connection with the candidate. They're a third-party source that decides to raise money and advocate for a cause or a candidate. Um, Do they break the law and have contact all the time? (laughs) Uh, But they're not supposed to. I saw one for uh, in Bush's behalf today. I think it was a super PAC in his behalf. And it featured, I think, the fourth campaign slogan I've heard for Heb, which is conservative, so you always know where he stands. It is the crappiest slogan I have ever heard because it's utterly incredible. No, no, no one believes Heb Bush is conservative. Nobody. Not even the people voting for him. Nobody believes Heb is conservative. And the reason he's at 3%, and that is where he is today, 3%. The reason he's at 3% is that nobody knows where he stands. That's why he's at 3%. Okay, uh, what are we going to hear first, Skipper? Ted Cruz, roll it. understand that when the mainstream media covers immigration, it doesn't often see it as an economic issue. But I can tell you, it is a very personal economic issue. And I will say the politics of it would be very, very different if a bunch of lawyers or bankers were crossing the Rio Grande. Or if a bunch of people with journalism degrees were coming over and driving down the wages in the press, then we would see stories about the economic calamity that is befalling our nation. This is a very, I've seen this. President, we will triple the border patrol. We will build a wall that works. 
we will secure the border. I have seen this. It's a very, very clever spot and uh, for two reasons. Number one, it addresses the burning issue on the uh, conservative side for all, all conservatives, small C, large C, in between, illegal immigration. Secondly, I said two reasons, three. Secondly, and related to reason number one, <coughs> it is the issue that catapulted Trump into prominence. And if Ted Cruz can own, he must own illegal aliens along with Trump, if not displace him on the issue. If Trump owns illegal aliens by himself, he wins the nomination. So offensively and defensively, it is a great idea to make a spot on illegal aliens. The third reason that spot is very clever is that commercials are tested by uh, professional organizations, private businesses, the parties, and I know all about this. And if I can remember, the spots are tested for information, persuasion, like, dislike, and recall. Ready? Information, persuasion, like, dislike, and recall. They show focus groups the spots, and then they endeavor to find out how much about the spots People were informed how much they remembered, whether they liked them or disliked them, and whatever the other one is, I can't remember now. That's how they test them. <coughs> My spots were tested nationally, nationally, um, at least twice, as I recall, as being the top spots on in the country. So uh, that's why I love telling this story. But since you know, that's how they measure them. Like dis- information, persuasion, like, dislike, and recall. The reason this is very clever visually is that it shows illegal aliens running across the border. It portrays this, only it doesn't pretend to be real. What it shows is mostly white young professionals with briefcases in business suits, men and women, running across the border from Mexico into the United States. And Ted Cruz's point is, if people crossing the border were coming here, And instead of, you know, day workers or unemployed, if these people were journalists, if they were doctors, if they were lawyers, especially journalists, oh, you'd hear a whole lot about why this is a calamity. If journalist jobs were being taken instead of blue-collar workers, then you'd hear about it. All in all, an absolutely superb idea uh, in, in, in... in its uh, in its approach, in its execution, uh, best spot I've seen this year. Who's next, Skip? Jeb. Heb. Serious times require serious leadership. The last seven years under President Obama have taught us that problems do not take care of themselves in the absence of American leadership. The United States should not delay in leading a global coalition to take out ISIS with overwhelming force. We are at war with radical Islamic terrorism. We have but one choice, to defeat it. I'm Jeff Bush, and I approve this message. Um, good thought, I mean, good topic, fighting ISIS. 
being tough on it, good. <clears throat> but as for distinguishing him in any way, <coughs> pardon me, competitively from his, from the guys he's fighting with, what is, is that, you know, it's meh, it's, it's, it's oatmeal, really. It's strictly mediocre. Uh, we have more? Kasich, suddenly surging in New Hampshire. He lived a hard scrabble life in a rusty steel town. John Kasich never gives up. When he lost his parents to a drunk driver, he had the faith to carry on. Some said he couldn't balance the federal budget, but Kasich stunned Washington. They said he couldn't save Ohio from an $8 billion shortfall, but Kasich did. They say our best days are behind us. America never give up. John Kasich. I'm John Kasich, and I approve this message. The reason Kasich can't say more than that is that in order to make really hard claims about the most controversial issues, like the cruise spot, like the Trump spot, I'm sorry, like the cruise spot and others we've heard, is that you you just can't start midway down the alphabet. You know, people have to know you before they're going to believe what you're promising to do. And the, the problem for Kasich is that this is a getting to know you spot. This is essentially what we call a bio spot. This is like, you know, his background and all of that. Because until you know who Kasich is, you can't run spots that say, I'm going to do this, this, and this about this, this, and this. You, you, have, you have to introduce the candidate first to the people so there's a measure of recognizability and trust. So this is different than the candidates who are already pretty far down the road. So that's a bio spot from John Kasich. P.S. The good news for Kasich is that he is battling very effectively as of this moment to own the establishmentarian wing of the party. He's competing with Heb Bush, Chris Christie, Carly Fiorina. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. one 3393 I will be live tweeting the State of the Union. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Whatever they pay him, it ain't enough. 
Uh, I'll be live tweeting State of the Union and then joining Skip and Doc will be with you immediately upon the conclusion of uh, Obama's lame remarks and uh, with you until midnight Eastern. Uh, Tell me, uh, we have we have more of Guru Jay's crystal balls, do we not? Okay, roll them. Barack Obama released terrorists from Guantanamo, and now they're plotting to attack us. Instead of fighting to fund our troops, he fights to fund Planned Parenthood. He spies on Israel and cut a deal with Iran. His plan after the attack in San Bernardino? Take away our guns. And while ISIS is beheading people and burning them in cages, he says climate change is our greatest threat. I'm Marco Rubio. I approve this message because America needs a real commander-in-chief and a president who will keep us safe. I think all Rubio's TV spots, whether done by a super PAC or by him, I think they've all been really good. Uh, Bear in mind, the bar for Rubio is lower. All he's trying to do, if you are for Cruz or Trump, Rubio is just trying to say, me too, me too, don't forget, I'm conservative too, me too. Forget about the, this illegal alien thing that I, it was just a hiccup. I didn't know what I was doing. So he is trying to sur- sound more conservative than Barry Goldwater, you know, in his spots. Because he has the original sin of the Gang of Eight on his soul as well as his political record. But given all of that, those spots are good, I think. Very good. Have we others? Let's roll them. Our goal is eternity, the ability to live alongside our creator for all time, to accept the free gift of salvation offered to us by Jesus Christ. The struggle on a daily basis as a Christian is to remind ourselves of this. The purpose of our life is to cooperate with God's plan. To those who much has been given, much is expected. And we will be asked to account for that. Were your treasures stored up on earth or in heaven? And, And to me, I try to allow that to influence me in everything that I do. I'm Marco Rubio, and I approved this message. I'm Marco Rubio, and I made this commercial especially for white evangelical born-again Christians in the state of Iowa, and I'm not fooling. That's why I approved this message. Did you hear that spot? That was made, and sometimes you have to do this. Uh, Sometimes it's wise to do it. But that spot was made for white evangelical Christian voters in Iowa, period. Does it appeal to them? I'm guessing yes. We have one more, do we not? Rolski. You get that? Super Bowl pick this year. Same one I've made for the last 40 years, the Miami Dolphins. Super Bowl pick winning percentage. I have never gotten a Super Bowl right. (laughs) Sorry. What's your fantasy football team name? This year, I think we're going to call it the Marco Polos. More nervous before first presidential debate or first college football game? I was more nervous before my first college football game because you were actually going to get hit. Best football game you've ever been to? 1985, Monday Night Football, undefeated Bears against the Dolphins. And I was there with my dad. Never forget that night. Favorite Miami Dolphins cheerleader? That's easy. Jeanette Rubio. Best coaching advice you ever gave your youth team? Have fun. Most important preparation for a big game or big speech? Make sure that there's water nearby. Like right now. I'm Marco Rubio, and I approved this message. 
a very charming bio spot. He's tossing a football around. He's letting you know that he married his uh, cheerleader wife, that he played football. I don't think a lot of it. Uh, okay, we're getting ready for Obama's last speech. Join us. The Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.